Have you ever walked the city at night? The stark yellow glow of street lights blend with vibrant neon signs, multicolored fluorescent fairy lights, illuminated billboards, the passing headlights of cars and motorbikes, the lit up screens of smartphones that never sleep. What used to be a supernatural and dangerous time for humans is now truly otherworldly, dripping with color and life. Photographer Carlos Alba has spent years photographing this beautiful new landscape, but his electrifying images also comment on the dangerous effects of light pollution. While urban lighting has made cities safer, it also leads to higher carbon emissions, retinal damage, skin cancer, insomnia in humans and in animals. Birds cannot follow their migratory path to Australia. Turtles have begun to lay their eggs in less lit beaches, crawling with predators. Yet, city dwellers continue to be completely ignorant of how much colonizing the night has cost us. My name is Rosario Lebrija Razvetayev, and this is Sublime Art, a podcast that brings you artists from all mediums whose work calls on the sublime. Today we speak to Spanish photographer Carlos Alba at his exhibition at Centro Centro in Madrid, which was part of Foto España last year. In this exhibit, Carlos' series Midnight Sun is shown along with other artists on how photography is changing with modern technology. Carlos is a multidisciplinary artist who has been producing work over the world for the last 15 years. He's received prizes in the Tokyo International Photography Competition, Landskrona Photo Festival in Sweden, Flash Forward UK, and Zona C Visual Artist Awards in Spain. He was a finalist for the Best Photo Book of the Year Award by Foto España, the Getzko Photo Festival in Spain, and the BMW Art and Culture Award, among others. His work has been exhibited in various galleries and museums worldwide, including the Hayward Gallery, London, the Tokyo International Photography Competition, Singapore International Photography Festival, La Fabrica Gallery in Madrid, and Foto España in Madrid. I'm really excited to be in this incredible space because it's so unique, it's so historical. Can you tell us, before we delve into your work, Carlos, about this uh, building we're standing in right now? Yeah, this is, uh, before was the main Correos building. And then after that uh, was the, like, the Council of Madrid. So this is the place where the mayor and all the politics who run Madrid is they are based and also they have like different uh, floors so uh, in these floors they they you can find uh, different exhibitions like contemporary arts like from photography uh, performance um, multimedia like yeah like different and I've heard that the building was recently reconstructed right so it was uh, amended so it's kind of tra it's still traditional and in, in the facade and the yeah. way it looks outside but it I've heard that it's a little more modern on the inside now yeah yeah actually yeah you can see in the inside is much more modern you can feel that it's a old building and a beautiful building and also I think the they have like a hiding secrets, like for example the stairs, and uh, I think it's something like a very, I don't know, for me, it's, I, that I'm a person that I really like to pay attention to the small things, I, I, re I like that kind of things, like you can feel like it's a modern building, but on the other hand, you've, you can still have some 
that's from the past and I mm -hmm. think it's very nice. Which is why it's so wonderful that uh, actually Foto España and this photography uh, festival in a way is, is being shown here. Can you tell us about uh, Foto España, your involvement with them and how this exhibition came about? Yeah, uh, yeah Foto España is, uh, I think it's one of the oldest photo festivals in Europe and it's the oldest in, uh, in Spain. And actually this year is their 15th uh, anniversary, so it's also uh, very important for, for them. And the first time that I started to work with Foto España was eight years ago. And because they have an open call, like it's called Acer, and they, they kind of, this open call was for emerging photographers. So they selected four photographers and they, they do like a solo show in... Yeah, in, a, in another uh, venue that is El, El Aguila. And it's something that is really important because it makes you a little bit in, to be in focus because it's kind of like for most of us was our first solo show. So it's something like very important. So Foto España is one of the members of this platform and they selected, uh, in, in my year, they selected four artists. So uh, the exhibition itself is hybrid. It's about uh, how photography is changing with the modern technology. Can you tell us more about this theme? Yeah, I mean, it's not mainly like how photography is changing. It's, it's, I think it's more about how the artists are using like, different uh, mediums to, to express their, their work, in this case. And, uh, and yeah, you can find in the exhibition like people who are working like mainly with photography for example in my case is it's kind of like a hybrid is is photography and and video but also it's an installation like with glasses i think is in this exhibition you can feel like the the photographers or the artists they are playing a lot and they are having fun <laughs> with yeah. their with their artwork yeah, because it's not only the work, it's also the way you display it. I, yeah. I mean, I, I was walking through it earlier, and, you know, as soon yeah. as you enter, there's sand, and then you keep walking, and then there's curtains, and there's some strange goo kind of uh, put on the walls of one of the videos. Yeah. So Midnight Sun um, is this incredible project that you've been developing for many years. Mm. Can you tell us about that project? And, and maybe you can walk the listener through, like, when they come into the exhibition, what do they see? Hmm. Okay, so... Midnight Sun started in Singapore because I was uh, invited for the Singapore International Photography Festival to have a show there. And then, I mean, I'm a person who sleeps like super well. <laughs> and then when I arrived the first night, obviously I was like, okay, maybe it's the jet lag or something like that. But then after a week uh, I was there, I couldn't sleep like properly for more than two hours per day, something like that. Oh my God. So and it was like, oh, wow, something happened here. And then I was doing a little bit of research and then I found that Singapore uh, in, that moment, in that moment was the most uh, light polluted uh, area in, in the world. So I thought, okay, so maybe that's the reason. And then because of that, I started to, to document in the, the lights during the night. And we cannot sleep properly, for example, because of that. I guess also uh, phones at night uh, have a bad, uh, on the eyesight, I guess, not only insomnia, but uh, I actually just had to get glasses quite recently because uh, I would, I actually started reading, uh, really bad of me, but I started reading a lot of uh, Kindle books yeah. on my phone. 
at night and sometimes it was with the light off and I can really tell that uh, because I close one eye when I read oh, wow. <laughs> I'm weird so, uh, <laughs> and uh, and yeah one of the eyes uh, they did this test and I used to have really good vision and now one of the eyes is completely uh, not broken but it's, it's really yeah, but... like low so really I think um, there's a evidence you know it's, it's starting to come through but I guess because f- mobile phones are so uh, new we don't really know the consequences yeah. yet of what we're you know, putting into our system every day. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the cases, but uh, also, like for example, the in, in Hong Kong, that is another place where our, uh, I've been working, the the gas of the neon, the, because there are a lot of neon that they are like quite old, they they don't change the, the gas who is inside of the neon, and it's also super uh, bad for, for the... For, the human health and for the animals so there are we don't know really the consequences of the light pollution but I think more and more you can I mean there is a lot of universities that they are working and and doing research about this uh, issue I think it's really interesting in the description of your exhibition, because I was reading about it before the interview, um, you used the word colonizing, colonizing yeah. the night. You were just talking about the stars, we're colonizing the stars, we've colonized um, so many parts of the earth, other societies as well. What does this idea of colonizing the night mean for you? Yeah, because like at the end, like uh, we are living in a, in a capitalistic world that uh, at the end is uh, we want to, to be more productive, to, to spend more time like with our friends. The only way that we can use or we can continue our life during the night is uh, putting more lights in, in the night. So we're trying to colonize the, the, the night for our uh, benefit. So it's something that, well, that is quite impressive when you're walking in these uh, places and it's like, wow, I never seen that amount of light in, in my life. Yeah, and I think that the way that we are using the light in different cities is also like very interesting. Like, for example, for in Las Vegas, it's just only because for fun, completely different that you the lights that you can see, for example, in Hong Kong, that they are using the light more to kind of like make up the buildings, or in Singapore, for example, also they use the lights to to make the buildings more beautiful uh, so yeah, yeah both are a spectacle in a way I mean you're talking about Las Vegas I can I'm just imagining how it looks from up above right this is the middle of a desert yeah. uh, you know it's really not a not a place where usually there would be a lot of light at night um, yeah and we've completely changed the atmosphere there the environment everything yeah yeah, yeah. I went to Monument Valley and and I was talking picture of the of the, the stars but you can see a little of like orange lane in the between the the sky and the the earth and i was doing the yeah research and apparently even like in in monument valley you can have kind of like light pollution that is coming from las vegas the the earth has a as a full entity I guess as well to space um, but before we go deeper into the night and what night means to humans because I really want to talk about that obviously in the relation to the sublime as well um, can you tell us about the exhibition itself like your choices to use mirrors and um, you know the the use of the the film instead of just a still image yeah I mean the the idea is 
when I'm taking pictures, I'm working with, uh, in this project, I'm working with um, uh, film photography. And also the way that I'm working is like pushing a little bit the film because I like that idea of like uh, to play with, trying to translate the amount of light into the film. So it's something that, for example, with digital, it will be like very... I don't know, like no, no, really very organic. So that's why I, I'm using film because I'm feeling like it's more organic in the way when and I can translate much more better the this concept of light pollution that if I'm working with digital. That, that because also like the way that digital transform the light sometimes is a little bit too perfect for me, and I'm feeling like uh, also the 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 film or the analog. Photography is a little bit more pictorial or like more material. So I like that idea to play with the same, to, to try to um, put all these ideas in, in just in, in this box. And thanks to that, uh, I'm feeling like, I mean, you can attract the people and the audience and they go directly to see your work and then they experience the, the lights and they feeling like, oh, this is amazing, it's so beautiful, and look at the lights, they are quite cool. But then when they are, they go and they read the text and they know the consequences of these lights is when they are like, something may click in their head and it's like, oh wow, this is something that I never heard of that or I never thought that it was so, uh, bad for, for, for the humans or for our daily life or so it's something that I like to play with that like to make something like very attractive for the audience but then uh, attract you and then you read the text and then when you read the text you see the consequences. Yeah, I think there's something, I mean, I've always said it, I think uh, the listeners uh, that are <laughs> tuning in today and have listened to other episodes, but I truly, truly believe that, you know, there's something really incredible in combining like something beautiful um, and in a way shiny like you have done and then having this deeper meaning in it that really traps you. And uh, for me, that's, that's really uh, reflective of the sublime. What's your relationship with the sublime and um, your work? I mean, I like to... When I'm working on my on my personal projects, I think uh, I like to always to play with feelings, with um, like ideas that I have, or like for example, for me, super important when I'm working in a place to to read the um, uh, local books or to listen local music or even like to watch uh, local films. So all these small uh, influences, they make you kind of like a, in, in the back of your brain, they're like changing you a little bit, the way that you perceive the, the project at the beginning, because uh, sometimes you like, like, okay, you, for example, with the, when I started to read about the problem in Singapore, I was like more focused on the okay, let's go and, and take pictures of the buildings and to make like something like very uh, documentary. And but at the end, when you you spend more time in the city and you you get these influences from yeah, film, music, uh, uh, books, I'm feeling like more and more like people are not 
reading or people are not um, like for example the news that believe too much in the newspapers but uh, I'm feeling like more and more that the newspaper they just want to sell uh, news and you can realize that the amount of the problem that we have right now so I feeling like now art is, is a good way to also to to, to learn. You know, I think lighting the night is something really, not only visually arresting, but it's also, as a concept, it's really interesting because the night has always been like this ambiguous other, right? It's like the unknown, it's kind of scary, it's mm. terror. Um, and yet, it's, I think it's also somehow, um, you know, it's completely transformed the way people live their lives at night, you know, like what you were saying. Your images uh, in this exhibition are kind of like a flurry of lights, abstract lines, lit up landscapes, yet they're completely unnatural. Does the word unnatural or natural mean anything to you in this context? I mean, obviously it's unnatural because they are artificial lights. So it's yeah. not the light that is coming from the sun or so, yeah, it's, it's something that the humans create to, yeah, for, as I mentioned, to colonize the, the, the night because it's, uh, it's something that is not natural. I remember that I, I was showing the, the pictures to, to Singaporeans and they were like, yeah, but this is not something like very new for me. Yeah, but it's not new for you because you are here every day and, and for you it's like, it's very common to go through Orchard Road, for example, that is a place where where there is full of light, and uh, and it's also very noisy because of the birds, and apparently they are like singing because the amount of light, they they are still thinking that is uh, daytime. Day, daytime, yeah, and sometimes they some of the birds they collapse and they die because they cannot they don't sleep, for example. And I think that can also apply to humans, no? Because if you have, you can work through the night, it change, it's changed our itineraries as well, no? Like our laborales, you know, uh, the yeah. way we work, but also the, the amount of time we are up at night, all of this. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, if, if like, for example, uh, someone who worked during the night, uh, they also could have some problems to, to sleep during the day because of the, the amount of light that we have, no? Like uh, this natural light that is coming from, from the sun and through the window or like this amount of light before you go to sleep plus the mobile phone. Then uh, probably you, you're going to sleep like not super well at the beginning. Yeah. You know? And actually I'm feeling like more and more people are talking about the insomnia because of that. And they don't know that it's the light pollution. Well, I want to move on now actually to your previous work and your ethos as an artist because it seems to me there's a pattern here of you bringing light into things that haven't been shed before. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the observation of trifles? Because I connect to that obviously because I, I've lived in London for a long time and it seems to be about um, living in, in a new city, especially London, as an immigrant. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the, the observation of trifles is a project about the, um, like how an immigrant tried to find his own world in a new country. So in this case, I was the, the immigrant, and I was, when I arrived to, to London, I didn't know really well the, the society, so for me, was, everything was new. Uh, for me, it was something like uh, really, that I started as a game, to be honest. So I started to collect these objects 
And then when I had a big amount of objects, then I thought, okay, so why I know I, I could try to, to find the owners and then take a picture of the owners. So that's why I started to go out again and trying to find the owners of the object. Oh my and God. Yeah, it was so difficult. Actually, uh, <laughs> sometimes is uh, I think only in two or three times there are exactly the owner, but in others it's just a small connection. Like probably, like for example, I found a slide that is a, is a boxer. So Bethnal Green is well known in, in London because they have a lot of uh, boxer gyms. And so I went to different, and they know the, the boxer, but the guy moved to, to Liverpool. So um, uh, they told me, okay, the, the, the guy is not in London anymore, but uh, we know the, the trainer. So I met the trainer, and then I took a picture of the trainer. Oh, wow. So it was a kind of like a connection also with, the, with my city, and another way also to know more about the society, and also, honestly, to, to improve my, my English because it was the only way to, to speak with, with the locals. Yeah, I mean, you, all, you seem to always be playing with objects and people. Uh, one thing I found quite striking about your series uh, of the refugees in, uh, was it Sweden? Yeah, in Sweden. Yeah, in Sweden. Um, was that uh, not all of them had people, even though the series was about the people? Yeah, I mean the. You mean like the the photographs? They, they they didn't always have people. They were like of a tree trunk, or you yeah. know, they were they were missing the person, but somehow it was about them. Yeah, but because for example, in the in the second uh, project, uh, the taste of the wind, for me, I wanted to play with this idea of like you move to a new place, um, and you make a big effort to 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 start a new life. But also you uh, leave a lot of things in your own country or in your own city. For example, the, the thing also like I started this project is uh, to take pictures of the idea that I have of the Swedish society because in other countries, but in Spain, we have like this idea like the Sweden is like a very like super top society and they do like the things very well and so also for me it's, it's important to to show that because it's like okay nothing is perfect in this world so always you're going to find like a small details that is a small imperfection so that's why i like that combination like when you arrive and then you arrive to this uh, place that you think that you are it's gonna be perfect for you but not, not really. When you re when you are you are there, you find that it's not really the everything like beautiful or the the kind of like the life of the society is gonna be like super open for you. Like for example, there is another problem. Like I'm feeling like the all the immigrants that I was taking pictures in this uh, area, they are coming from Syria, uh, Afghanistan and El Sahel and the thing is uh, there are societies that they are very open and they are like working I mean working sorry like they, are, they spend their life in on the streets and meeting people and talking and things like that and I think like the Swedish society is very hermetic or compact and it's quite difficult to 
get in and they don't do a lot of things on on the streets or so it was a big uh, I think one of the most dif- the, the big difficulties that they have these these immigrants was that like to connect with the Swedish people and for me it's also that was very important during the project like I was trying always like if I met if I was for example taking a picture of um, of a Swedish guy and then I took a picture of an Afghan guy for example if I know that they could connect maybe with the music or with uh, that they have something in common I tried to put them in touch you were doing a residency right? yeah, yeah. It was, it, yeah the, the project was thank, thanks to to Lance Krona photo I could do the I could make the, the project because uh, they support uh, with a, a studio and also a, a flat and also they support me like with uh, paying like the yeah for for all the the things that I need I, I made a photo book that is uh, I mean it's the end of the project but for me the most important thing was like for example when we did the the opening of the show that there was a lot of uh, local people like 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 the, also the immigrants they came to the show and the that was the most important moment for me because I could connect like Swedish people with people from Afghanistan from uh, Syria and another one of your series that deals with memory is text me when you get home mm. um, this is the last uh, series I want to talk about today can you tell us about this series and also the way you play with the absence and memory here yeah I'm, I started uh, this project when I was uh, studying my MA in, in University of the Arts in London and uh, the, in that moment I was working with with archive of uh, people who suffer domestic abuse, and, I mean, with women who suffer domestic abuse. Um, and the thing is, the, I was like very focused on this idea of the, how the masculinity is affecting us, like, like women for sure, but also like uh, us. And then I got this uh, uh, invitation to be in a group show in uh, in, in East London, and uh, they wanted to do something related with the home, but also that it could be related with the with the neighborhood. So I think when I got the invitation, like on. on Thursday or something like that, and then on Friday I read um, uh, in the news that it was a girl who was coming from a club in uh, from Shoreditch, and she was uh, just going back home, and uh, so this person was raped three times for three different guys. Oh my god! And they don't know each other, so it was like something like crazy, and for me it was like oh my god, this is terrible I need to do something and to make my position on this problem um, so then I started to to collect uh, archive images from uh, from um, from different like uh, CCTV cameras and also like I found it uh, on social media or on Instagram or in YouTube and things like that 
and you just only like put in like hashtag like city serves or you fucking bitch or things like that, you find a lot of uh, videos that is violence against the, the women. It's something like it's crazy that nobody do that and you can find yeah, that. Nobody monitors it. No, or, uh, no. And, but like, for example, you go on Instagram and it's a finer photograph that you see maybe a penis and they're going to uh, yeah, report the images and they're going <laughs> to... Yeah, like one nipple is like, oh, yeah, well, let's take down the account and yeah. you know, somebody beheading someone is but totally you can, fine. Yeah. But you can find videos like someone is hiding like another person and so things crazy like that. And now the, I'm uh, working on another... I mean, the, the project is finished and I'm working on the photo book. It's a project about... It's, the project is called I'll Bet the Devil My Head. And it's, it's about the big differences in, in our contemporary society. So it's, uh, the, it's kind of like a fairy tale, visual fairy tale with foxes and brokers. <laughs> okay. So it's, uh, the foxes are kind of like the poor people in our society, so they are going out, and the, the urban foxes, they're going out and they need to find the food every day. And so I document, I've been documenting the urban foxes for five years in, in London. In the yeah, summer. in London, my God. I used to have a fox that came into my house. Oh. So in the summer when it was super hot in London, I couldn't open the window because the uh -huh. fox would come in. Wow. And then my brother visited and he's very into foxes and well, animals in general. Yeah. He fed the fox. Oh, wow. So the fox came back with friends. And so I ended up moving from the place, not because of that, but yeah, the, the yeah, foxes. Yeah. It's incredible. Like you don't really think, uh, yeah. I think anybody who hasn't lived in London doesn't understand it's a city full of foxes. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's 10,000 foxes in, in London. So it's crazy. And um, yeah, so I wanted to play with that idea. Like, okay, the, the urban fox is uh, the poor part of the society. And then... I went to the city of London to to take picture of the brokers, like they are kind of like a, the wealthy part of the society, and I like that combination because it's, um, for example, the 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 way that I'm taking the photographs, the foxes are always the pictures are always from from above, in and then I'm taking the photograph of the brokers if I'm the fox, so I'm always like. Yeah, that you see like the, the power yeah. yeah, and the power that they have, like the way that they are walking in the middle of the city of London, and everything is during the night also, uh, because it's when when the foxes are more, active. yeah, like active, yeah, and so the idea is to take photographs at the end of the labor day of the brokers, and then is is. The, the end of the Labor Day is the beginning of the of the day I mean, of the night for the for the foxes. Um, yeah, and and it's something. Actually, the the book and everything is is quite small, and and the idea is is that like to create a book like it's a, a fairy tale visual fairy tale book. So you have all the characters like for the the crowl, the squirrel. The fox, <laughs> the yeah. So it's kind of like uh, it's, it's as I mentioned uh, before. Like uh, I like to use like 
tools that we are used to, like something like it's very common, like everybody around the world probably read once in their life a fairy tale. And I think they are always have like the same structure. So now using the same structure for, for, the, for the book, for uh, this project. And that's the, the thing that I'm working now. Well, thank you so much for all of your time and for showing me around the exhibition. It's truly a remarkable piece of work. Thank you. No, my pleasure. And I really think that these kind of podcasts are very important. So keep up. So well, thank, thank you. you. It's, a, it's really a pleasure to talk to people that have such an incredible view of the world. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. You can also follow us on Instagram at Sublime Art Podcast. Don't miss our next episode where we explore the sublime with another artist. <laughs>